Hey, welcome back to Reality 2.0. I am Catherine Truffman. I am talking to Doc Searles, as hey. always. <laughs> I feel like- As almost know, always. I think I missed one. Almost always. Yeah, yeah I think maybe. Yeah. Maybe not even. Yeah. Yeah. Happens. Um, it happened that one time. So yeah, so thanks for, for joining us again. And today we're going to talk about some ideas around the concept of respect as it applies to the internet and, and the web and, and the non-web. Um, but before we get into it, I wanted to remind everyone to visit our website at reality2cast.com. That is the number two in the URL. We've just added a new uh, snarky t-shirt. So, hey. <laughs> and when I say t-shirt, I actually mean it. You know, it's red bubble. You could print it on whatever you want, practically. You could put it on a shower curtain, I believe, which, you know, is actually kind of tempting. I'm tempted mm-hmm. to have that as my shower curtain. But yeah, check that out. And you can sign up for our newsletter. Our last uh, issue of the newsletter is actually pretty interesting. We provided some extra links uh, about the Apple story that we covered in episode, I believe it was 82, about their new child safety features. And that's that's interesting and definitely worth checking out. So yeah, I hope you'll, you'll sign up for our newsletter. And, um, and thank you also to our Patreon and Coffee and all supporters of any type, really. We've done 80 some of these things. That's I know, it's crazy. Yeah, that you is know, amazing. Started- that's like a year and a half. Man, we're co- no god we're we're coming up on three years well because we started at <laughs> linux journal right and, yeah uh, yeah yeah we, so that we, counts yeah it is, we technically continu- started in the continuous. fall of 2018 wow and we started off doing it monthly and then you know if, i don't i can't even you remember got aggressive when about it i'm really impressed and we're like we really have got to yeah. we really got to do this weekly and then we, we skipped a few weeks we actually skipped one recently because you know things get in the way, but but we've pretty consistently put one out every week, which is interesting. In, in Europe, <laughs> they skip August. You know, I yeah, I, I have all these deadlines I've gotten from people in Europe, and then when I write to them saying I, I got this thing almost ready, and I get a note back saying I'm gone for August. I'm not checking my email. And I thought, wait a minute. <laughs> New Yorkers it's... skip August too, or in my when uh, I lived there, not really. You I mean, just you pretty do. much skipped August. Uh, it depends yeah. on what what people do. Try to take a vacation in. in the summer. That's true. You know the. The fancier ones go to the Hamptons or the Cape yeah, or something exactly. like that. Or the, the traffic shore. was was yeah. much less bad in August, I remember. Yeah. People were gone. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. So so yeah. So 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 you wanted to to talk a little bit just about the, our previous episode, which would be a Yeah, three. I, I really want to encourage people to to listen to last week's. We had uh, Bill Wendell on. Bill is one of the smartest and most concerned and informed people on the subject of real estate. And, you know, the biggest purchase we'll ever make uh, in our lives probably is whatever house we buy. And and we're coming up with on a generation that might not be able to do that at all. And there are things happening in that business that are just basically going to price everybody out um, or price a lot of people out. And, and in the process, start, you know, moving it over to you know, making happen to it what happened to much of farming, where the the family farm went away and then industrial farming happened. And you'll be living in a house that's owned by a corporation um, rather than by you. And and we'll all rent from, you know, the man, whoever the man is. And that's, it, it, it Bill covers much, much more than that. But it's really, impo- uh, it's an important show. I think you should listen to it. And it also stars uh, my wife, who's smarter mm-hmm. than I am and knows a lot and, uh, who I learned today that her job is explaining to her husband what he's saying. So she's not here today to help us out, but you know, uh, still, you get the point. For that alone, it's worth checking out. The <laughs> it episode. probably is. It <laughs> probably is. And yeah, you know, great, and it, 
Yeah. I'm hoping to hear from, from some of our listeners who are not in the U.S. because I'm kind of curious, you know, once they've listened to that episode, they're, they're, I'm curious about their perspective, right? Because things are a little bit different, you know, all over the world in terms of real estate markets and other markets and, and, and the way technology influences those. And you know, I'm kind of interested to see what people have to say. So please, if you haven't emailed us yeah. about it. I also think, it. you know, we, we started out with Linux Journal and, and we've sort of kept it tech for years, um, it turns out. <laughs> I forgot that it was <laughs> years. years. Uh, yeah, actual years. And, and um, you know, I, 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 I've been wanting to, you know, talk about things more broadly in general. And I think we, we want to have more people on uh, as guests, especially who, who cover more than tech topics or topics that touch on tech. To, real estate certainly does. Uh, and, and I'm working on that. So is Bill for that matter on something called intent casting, uh, where we, we, we intent cast our prices or our intentions and the market response to that. And that's a, that requires tech, but it's not necessarily a tech concern. It's kind of like driving, driving involves tech, but it's not just about tech. Right. right. So, so like means get, to an end. get audience feedback on that as well. You want more of that? You want less? What do you want? So yeah, that's a, we'll do what we want anyway, but I mean, <laughs> that, that, yeah, we're gonna... <laughs> that, that'll be I like to talk about real estate. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, 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 so this week, um, uh, you know, Catherine, you brought up respect. Actually, it wasn't where I started wanting to go, but it's a really good place to go because uh, I've been hanging out with and corresponding with a, uh, a, a nonprofit called the Me to Be Alliance. That's me, the Number two, like reality two cast, me to be dot org, also dot us, even shorter URL. And and their concern is respectful technology and highlighting respectful technology and evaluating respectful technology and, and also understanding what respectful technology would be and would look like. Uh, and I advise, I, I really suggest people look at what they're trying to do because it's important. Uh, I also noticed that they're, they have one of the best cooking notices I've seen and especially considering that uh, when you run it through uh, Augustine Fu's um, page x-ray, we've had him on a couple times, uh, maybe three times, I don't know, a bunch of times. And it's at, it's at, uh, page, well, just look up page x-ray all in one word and you'll find it. It's at uh, Fu Analytics, F-O-U Analytics, uh, page x-ray. And it's, it shows what happens in every website you go to and and how your information gets shared. And it turns out that at, uh, at b2b.org, it gets shared with itself, <laughs> and there's nothing else <laughs> there. There is nothing there to have to worry about. It's not, and uh, Privacy Badger also sees exactly zero there, and that's the way it ought to be. That's what we had at least toward the end at Linux Journal, and I think that's what companies should aspire to. And um, but it's that's the exception. It's not the rule, and that's really where I think this respectful thing goes because my position on this. And I wrote something on this uh, about a week and a half ago, on the fifteenth, I think, called "Beyond the Web," um, on my blog. That I think the web, by design, not HTTP, which is the protocol under the web, but the way we set up the way we set up web servers and the server-client relationship, which we borrowed from the mainframe world, um, and is is there an ancient way for for individual workstations to talk to servers. We borrowed that, put it on the web. And as a result of that, I think we have something that is almost wall-to-wall -wall disrespectful and can't help it. It's unavoidable. It's a design flaw um, or a design feature that turns out to be a flaw. 
not in the web itself, but in the way it's deployed, and we can't avoid it. I don't think it's fixable. I think we need to work around it and do our best with it that we can. I look forward to what the Me2B Alliance is going to say about uh, respectful technology there. But I think by design, as long as we are always the client and the user and the consumer, we're always going to be the subordinate party. We're going to have very limited agency. We will have no more privacy, no more ability than what each website grants us. And we see this all over the place. We're so pickled in it. It doesn't come up even as a question. So anyway, I'd like to talk about that a little bit. I mean, is there something inherent in in web technology that does not lend itself to respecting the user? I think I think you know something that that a lot of people who do what I do, for example, who you know work with web software and such as that, you know, we 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 try certainly to focus on respecting our end users. And uh, but is there anything? Is there something inherent in this medium that lends itself? to forgetting or letting that slip through the cracks, maybe, you know, I'm thinking in terms of, you know, let's say the history of humanity, right? Respect is a pretty important thing, right? Uh, You know, if you're designing a product that is non-technical, you know, certainly you might think of today anyway, or for the last hundred years, you would think of ergonomic design or, you know, it's usability at some, or utility even at some basic level. And, And to me, that is having respect for the user you intend to sell it to or give it to. Um, but what what is it exactly? I mean, I think you you, you go back to the, the calf-cow analogy a lot, but it, is that just something that that is inherently violating that respect I, agreement? I think it is. I think it is. I think that I, I didn't used to think so, but I do now. I think I used to think, well, if websites were... I wasn't thinking of it this way, but I, I, I mean, I thought when Do Not Track came along, for example, here's a polite request. Here's something you could put in something that does have agency, your browser. And you could put something in your browser that said, says, uh, don't track me offsite. This is it. I mean, I, I, here's a request. We make that request in the physical world, in the natural world, when we wear clothes or close, shut a door or hold our finger to our mouth and tell people to hush, that these are signals we can give to others that in general they would respect. And what happened was it was not only disrespected, it was mocked and it was just shut down hard by uh, the Interactive Advertising Bureau, by the publishers of the world and by the advertisers of the world. And Do Not Track had no traction whatsoever. Same thing is now happening today um, to a lesser degree, but still across the board with uh, global privacy control, which is a proposed standard that's at the W3C, and I, I think it's there. But anyway, it's it's a way that you can send a global message to very much like Do Not Track to every website that wants consent. You're just saying, I oh, know I'm not giving you consent. You're not getting con- you're, you are globally every website I go to is not getting my consent to selling my data in the California terms uh, of the CCPA or sharing my data in in respect to the GDPR. And nobody's paying attention to it. Very few of the websites are paying attention to it. So that's, so, so part of this is behavioral. I, I think, I think it's, you know, it was, it was the option for websites and advertisers and, and publishers to obey a simple request, but they didn't want to do that. And, they didn't want to do it because it was money in advertising, and and that's that's as far as that went. Money talked, and uh, we lost. I think the 
but again, it's not a design flaw. That's that. Well, it, maybe it is a design flaw. Maybe I'm saying that. I think it is a design flaw. I think as long as we had something that did not allow them to. I mean, we had we made a request. A request not good enough. Even Apple with we talked about this several weeks ago, but Apple with its um, the thing it bragged on back when it was still a privacy company uh, before they pulled their own pants down on that one uh, with this child thing, the CSAM thing. But they they had this ad that that showed a guy you know blowing up all the trackers following him by saying uh, you know uh, ask ask the app not to follow you, ask the app not to track you. And it wasn't even tell it. It wasn't prevent it. It was ask. That's that's inherently weak, and that's a design flaw. If Apple can't do it for you, who the hell can? I mean, it's just a uh, Google's certainly not going to do it. So, you know, part of the problem is that you know all the all the big platforms arose, and we do too much of our dealing with the world through those platforms. All of our phones are platformed in one of two companies, um, with the singular exception, I think, of uh, we've had Kyle. Uh, rank it on here a number of times and he works for purism and they make a great phone that's independent but most of us are not using that kind of phone we're using a dependent phone a phone that's dependent on google or apple and we get no more privacy than they give us and that too is that's not about the web as much as it's just about a habit of business and a practice in business um but i think it's modeled by what we have on the web and the difficult thing for for you and for your company uh, and for everybody operating a website or a large company is you've got all the responsibility you know you have to care you have to be respectful if you're going to be a respectful company but there's not you have to do it on your own there's, you can't you're not getting the signals from the marketplace from the individuals of what they want because those signals haven't been built in yet yeah it's funny how so i you know i, I live in my own little bubble part of of the, of the web and software and whatnot and making software for people to create digital experiences, let's say. And in, in my part of the world, we're all very, very concerned with things like accessibility and usability and having utmost respect for not only the end user, but also the, the let's say, middle user who is using our software to create these experiences for the ultimate end user and, and their, their own audience. And I think that, you know, that respect does in fact go a long way but there is a different world that i am not directly a part of and that is you know the world of uh you know of let's say not not i wouldn't say big tech even as much as big big social media i don't know mm. the facebook's the twitter's the linkedin of the world who do have a completely different sphere of influence they're not you know a brand talking directly to its consumer. They are an intermediary and they are, you know, sort of the conduit through which much communication flows now. And, and those are the, the, the places where I think that, that a lot of the um, good intentions of what I would consider my little sphere, uh, maybe get lost. And, and that is certainly not to say that there were not engineers at Facebook who are, you know, incredibly concerned with usability and accessibility and, and what their users want, but there's a, there's a whole other thing. And that is, that is the, the, those designing the algorithms to sort of push and nudge users in, in, in certain directions. And, you know, so this is actually segues nicely into um, an article I was reading about LinkedIn that I will link to and, and hmm. how they are trying to address their algorithmic bias. 
And you know, one of the things that they, they mentioned was that there have been issues. For example, um, if you search a woman's name or if in the past you searched a woman's name, it would autocomplete and suggest that maybe you meant some men's names. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, it's it sounds name, ridiculous, and it's kind of Francis funny. with an E, and they give you Francis yeah, with an I. It, and, it said, yeah. you know, if you're searching for Andrea Jones, it would correct it. Andrew, don't you mean Andrew? Don't you, maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe you mean Andrew. You don't mean Andrea, surely, surely, right? And it would, you know, it would um, prefer men for the algorithm algorithms that put recruiters together with job seekers and you know mm -hmm. the the presumption was that you know the behavior of male users maybe were triggering something you know that that made it them seem more active or aggressive you know looking for positions but i i would also suggest that the fact that a lot of the developers behind these features at linkedin are are men and those are the you know maybe you know those are the behaviors that they are tweaking it for because that's that's their own behavior and that's what you know we're all biased toward our own opinions and, and, and behaviors and, and what we're used to right so so yeah I mean there's 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 a lot of there are a lot of little um areas neighborhoods <laughs> in this uh in this in of the web that that um I don't know are maybe opportunities for respect for the end user to slip through the cracks I guess is what I'm saying yeah, well, it, it, it's it's sort of an interesting irony that all the responsibility is on the part of the big companies. On, it's on the part of the the site holder, and it's the part of the you know. And I mean, and, and you see it especially with you know with what Apple's going through and what Google's going through right now, and Facebook and others. And and it's easy to knock their their flaws. You know, some of which are more obvious than others. I mean, Facebook is clearly run by a guy who has a certain kind of arrogance and. But, you know, by design, we've put them in charge of, I think, way too much because we should have, I mean, for, I mean, for example, the, if you look up GDPR compliance on Google or on Bing, on Google for sure, you get over, at least in English and in the U.S., you get over 200 million results. Almost every one of those results are from companies that are trying to help their corporate clients obey the letter of the GDPR while completely avoid, uh, violating its spirit. Like, how do you continue to track people? And and as a result of that and the cookie laws that you're required to have a cookie um, notice on your site, I mean, aside from the absurdities of that, we, you know, the, it's up to every single site to maintain something there. What do they do? They hire third-party companies. They're going to kind of help them with uh, they'll hire, uh, you know, trustee or I don't know what the, all their names are, but they're a bunch of companies that are in this sort of GDPR compliance thing and a website will outsource that stuff to them. And then they have the, the pro forma forms that you fill out if you want to, you know, select which cup, which cookies are yours. And, you know, and you get your privacy choices, they call them, which really aren't yours at all. It's just way too difficult. And the thing is that it, it's created an enormous amount of labor for the server side when it could be solved in a real easy way. You know, you have something on the client side in the browser that has complete agency for the, for the person who's, that, that says, here's what I allow. Here's what I don't allow. Oh, we know each other. Here's what we're going to, here's what I, we're both remembering where we were the last time. And here's, I have a record of it. You have a record of it. I know I've, I've got an affiliation here. What was it? We can find it. That's not even thought about because even the GDPR, says, you know, it has these three classes of, of participants. You have data controllers, data processors, 
and websites and services are terribly concerned about it. who's a web processor, who's a, who's a data processor, who's a controller. In the meantime, you and I are just data subjects. We have no control over data. We have no way to process our data. We have no powers there. It's all assumed it's on the server side. And so we now have burned into law something that was just kind of an accident of history. And that's kind of the problem that we're up against. And one of the reasons why I think, I mean, I'm kind of past the point where I, like, I want to try and fix the web. I don't think I can. I mean, I know I can't, but I mean, I don't think we can very easily. I think we're too, too pickled in all of the norms that we've put together. And now we have laws on top of those norms that make things more difficult. So, you know, um, and that's just one thing we don't question, you know, why, why don't we have a shopping cart we can take from site to site that remembers everything we had at each one of those sites. It's because all those sites want us trapped inside their system. It might, we might be able to send much better uh, signals to the marketplace that we actually know what we've committed to in these different places, but we can't because by design, you know, nobody wants us to do that. So, you know, it, it's in the industrial age, we were, we were trapped, we had to be trapped inside a company because every company, they had to maintain records on all their customers. They didn't share those records with the rest of the world. It didn't make sense for them to share it with the rest of the world. And, you know, whatever relationship we had with, with, with Macy's or Radio Shack or Best Buy or name your company was a separate thing. But on the web, on the internet, we should be able to have one global way to deal with all these guys in lots of ways. We could deal with them legally. We could deal with them financially. We could deal with them in lots of other ways. But we're not imagining those because we allowed the web to get stuck in the industrial age rather than come into the digital age. In the digital age, we should, we should be peers here. We should be able to have powers of our own that make it easy to, you know, to, 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 to intent cast what we're looking for and do it in a safe way. You know, I'd love to have Dave, and we've had Dave Hughes be on several times. I should tell you <laughs> offline later, bring you into the conversation we're having. He's got ways already that I don't want to tell, say too much about it, where, you know, where we could with zero knowledge proof say that we're a human being, for example, you know, because that's often what a website needs to know. Are you a bot or are you real? Okay, that's all you need to know. I'm a human being. We're, we, we have ways of doing that. There are geeks working on this stuff, but there were, but there are too few of them working on it from the user side, from the customer side, from the individual side, you know, and I think that'll make it easier for the companies of the world, but there aren't many of us yet, but there weren't many of us in the open source world before it existed either, you know, so I'm, I'm hopeful about it. If there was, if I had one hope, <laughs> it's that I, you know, I wish that there was, there was more focus from anybody involved in technology and whatever little you know, pocket, uh, you know, you're participating in is that we, we focus more on letting users organically discover things on their own and, and make their own decisions. And we have the respect for end users to let them make their own decisions and to you know empower themselves rather than constantly trying to shape behavior. And I think, because I think that's, you know, I think that's opened the door for, for a lot of what we're right. finding now is problematic on the web. It's, it's so, we, you know, we were so focused on the fact that we can't, we could influence behavior to, you know, buy widgets and soap and, and whatever. But now we've, we, you know, we've opened this Pandora's box of, of, of influence and it's, 
you know, I think it's backfired a bit. And I'd like to see us as technologists rein yeah. that in and have a little bit more respect for the users. And I think, you know, I think by by executing on that, we might be able to fix some of what ails us. You know, but maybe I'm being optimistic, overly optimistic. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a great point with uh, algorithmic nudging. One of those things is hard to say repeatedly, rapidly. Um, and I think a lot of us, most of the time, would rather not have it, you know? I mean, I, how many of us really, after we have more than 500 contacts, need more contacts on LinkedIn at all? I mean, really? I mean, how many of us use LinkedIn the way you know, they're imagining we use it, you know, I mean, I, I to I me, it, to I me, do. it's just a Rolodex, it's a it card wrong. catalog, you know, and, um, funny, you should use that as an, as a metaphor. Yeah. I have thoughts on that too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Mark Hurst, who's a, a New York uh, writer and uh, podcaster and, um, newsletter guy, uh, has had this concept of good technology. We're talking about respectful technology before. His is good technology and um, has a newsletter about that. I may share that. His one right now called Public Libraries Are Better Than Google. And <laughs> and it's and his point with that is that, you know, what Google started out wanting to do, you know, actually, this is something, listen to this. Advertising-funded search engines will be inherently biased toward the advertisers and away from the needs of consumers. Advertising income often provides an incentive to provide poor quality search results. That was written by Larry and Sergi in 1998. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, wow, are. who is that? I like you know, that guy. Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, it, it's Animal Farm. I mean, it really yeah. is. You know that where where they become just as evil as as the rest of them, and 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 it's and his case is that they've become actually contemptuous of users, and I think it's it's true to some degree. I mean, they used to have the advertising results in a little column off to the right that was in plain text and and then they started moving you know like uh, the sponsored results up on top but now you sometimes have to go down a page you know page down one or more times before you get to an actual organic search result rather than an ad for somebody and actually yeah. amazon is just as bad i mean and, and you, you just want to look for a i don't know a pencil sharpener on on amazon and you're going to have one or two down clicks uh, on your page down before you get past the sponsored results, right? you know, or what Amazon says, it's Amazon's choice, which is probably a paid for one too. Who knows? Yeah. Right. And, you know, then at the same time, they're speak of algorithmic nudging. They're gaming you with prices all the time as well. We exactly. wrote about that in Linux journal several years ago, how I did a little search through my own stuff. I know, and I, and using different browsers, I get completely different results. Um, you know, based on their, you know, their part of its algorithmic nudging and part of its A-B testing. They're trying to discover what the right price is. So they give you a bunch of different prices to what they think are different people in different places and come up with one. But they have one just for you. You know, they, somebody discovered a few years ago that they, that they were, at least at that time, as soon as they saw you were using a Mac, which your, you know, browser is narking you on, um, uh, they'd say, oh, you're using a Mac. You're willing to pay more for something because you paid more for your computer than a Windows user would have. So there are a bunch of assumptions that the machines make like that that are inherently icky, if not evil. So something you said uh, just a second ago that I wanted to circle back around to, and that is card catalog. <laughs> and yeah. the second you said the words card catalog, my inner uh, nerdy child perked up. And, you know, it, it, what you said, you know, obviously fit in, you know, with what I was thinking. And that is that remember when 
remember when research was a skill? Yeah. <laughs> imagine, right, yeah. imagine that. Imagine researching something, finding information, finding the answers to your own personal questions was an actual skill that it was taught and it was um, it was certainly practiced. And and I, you know, the more even, uh, sorry, even, even searching online used to be a skill. It used to be kind of, I wouldn't say difficult, but uh, you used to, you used to, it used to require some skill in order to narrow down, you know, your sources, even, even for information online. But, but I think the more we, we rely on this nudging, as we say, you know, I wonder if the skill of research is something that is, that is um, in decline. Like I, I, I don't know because I've been out of school for quite a while, but I don't know. I don't know what the, the world of research entails anymore, but it used to be, you know, in the olden days, <laughs> I, uh, I actually remember uh, in, interlibrary loan. Imagine, mm -hmm, yeah, I, I mean, surely yeah. there are reasons for this. And if you're researching something obscure enough, then it, it does come up. But, but you know, there, there used to be a time when you had to really truly... Um, and dig deep for information and nobody was nudging you toward a specific source of information it was it was you know it was up to mm -hmm. you to to locate and um and then decipher and i think that that's just the idea of that is something that seems that seems so long ago it just you know it seems yeah. know, interesting how detached. I, I remember you know but i, I loved um I mean, I became a good student my third year in college. Before that, I was terrible. And but I, I discovered research basically. I, I had one or two good teachers, and we had an okay library for a small college. And, um, and I had a Carol in the library, and I had a pile of books, you know, the, across the shelf. And I knew the stacks totally. Later, I did it at, at UNC. Uh, I wasn't even a student there. I was an adult, and I worked at a radio station in town. And but I on time off, I would go into that library and I'd hang out. It was then the Davis Library, I think, at UNC, or the Wilson Library. Oh, it was a beautiful place, the old Wilson Library. And and I, the smell of the stacks, I loved them. And I would have, you know, I like commanded a carol in there and I'd pull down books all over the place about whatever subject I was interested in at the time. But on that, that said, I think, I think research is actually, for somebody who's serious about it, there's so many more options now than there were back then, and you can cover a lot more ground. The problem is that there's, and it's not just the algorithmic nudging, it's, it's that so much knowledge is moving so fast on a lot of subjects. I mean, let's just take COVID, for example. I mean, mm -hmm. oh my God. I mean, even for people I, I love and respect a lot, um, uh, Zeynep uh, Tufeci especially, she's running for the New York Times now, but she's an old colleague from the Berkman Center, and she's teaching at UNC, actually, same university. Brilliant on the subject of it, but she's got, I mean, I have no idea how much time she spends on this stuff and staying on top of it. And there, there's almost too much to know. It's difficult, but but a lot of it can't be trusted. And, and I know I was looking today, there are two people I know well and are only writing on Facebook, which I hate, but I like them. And they both quoted a source I never heard of that was very clearly all the way left in one case and all the way right in another case. That's just because of what they link to, just so inherently biased, they shouldn't even be up for consideration, you know? Mm -hmm. But but that's where all the, a lot of stuff is being spilled. And is it, it, it here, here's, a, here's a weird way to look at it. I, all of academic scholarship is 
an ad hominem argument all the way down. You know, it's, it's more trustworthy. It's an ad hominem argument to say a citation from, from, uh, from Yale is better than a site from a Yale publication that is better than one from a uh, sheetrock state, you know, but, but the one from sheetrock state might be, might be a better citation, uh, qualitatively. But if somebody, if somebody has a PhD is more trustworthy than somebody without a PhD, these are ad hominem arguments and these academic arguments and you get to the bottom of them, uh, you know, it's, it's ad hominem. It's, it's a, so-and-so said it and so-and-so did the research. Therefore it might, has a better chance of being right. And that's a, that's a tough one because I think that's actually more exposed now than ever. So it's sort of like, I mean, I, I think Mark Hurst's case in, in this thing, which we'll, I'll provide you the link to, you know, is, is that actually your local library actually really is a better place now, you know, maybe because of interlibrary loans, maybe those still are possible, or maybe you're just going to get something that's a little bit more pure and concerned and uncontaminated than you will on a Google search. I don't know. I, I I don't know, but I I do know that Google is not as good as it was, and Google is much better now at pushing you toward advertisers than at pushing you toward what you want to find. And that's not so much broken. I don't like that word, but people like to use it. But just really flawed and sad, and you know, very far from where they started. Yeah. Well, we should have somebody on the show to talk about the, you know, somebody who actually actively does research academic or otherwise, or journalistic mm. or, you know, to, I, I would actually be curious to, to hear somebody's in, you know, com very in-depth comparison of what research is today versus maybe 20 years ago. I think that would be interesting. Yeah. I have a feeling, and this may be just, this may be a point of departure or a tee up for another show. I have a feeling that everybody's withdrawing a little bit in some ways from the fray. Um, I noticed when I was in New York, I, you know, we, after more than a year away, uh, in March, we came back to New York. And then in uh, the beginning of this month, uh, we came to, to Bloomington. So uh, March, April, May, June, July. So that was how long we were back in New York. And almost every day we'd ride the subway somewhere or another. And everybody in the subway now has masks on because you're required to, you have to have a mask on a New York subway and the subways are full again. I mean, it, everybody's crowding into the subways and they've all got their masks on. And it used to be, and I would take pictures of this, of everybody on the subway in, in pre-pandemic time was on their phone. They were all looking at their mm -hmm. phones. They were all pl plugged into their phones. They're not now. I'd say I, my estimation was maybe half are plugged in. The rest are just standing there or sitting there, you know, just masked up, staring into space, you know, maybe if they're traveling with somebody else talking to the person next to them. Um, but they're not, they're not jacked in and at to the same rate. And, you know, that, that's sort of an example of how, you know, we shape our tools and then they shape us. I mean, our phones shaped us and now our masks are shaping us, right? You know, everybody has to, has to wear a mask in places where they do that, their behavior changes. And, and I, but, but I actually sense at the moment that that we're in a kind of in-between place where a lot of the things that aren't working are playing, their, are playing their way out. In the macro stage, in the macro way, I think environmentally it's playing out. I think it's, we're sort of at a point with the environment where Wile E. Coyote has run off the edge of the cliff, but he hasn't hit gravity yet. We're <laughs> starting to feel it a little bit. We have the fires in the West and so forth. And I'm saying this in spite of having just 
read a long piece by a good friend who's insisting it's all wrong. It's all really, it's right. It's just a lot of confirmation bias. Stop it. But um, um, I, I know enough geology to know enough of the history to know that you can't have that much human activity sucking and burning crap out of the ground without having an effect on the environment. Anyway, um, but that's, that's going on, and, but it hasn't fully hit us yet. You know, we see retail coming back, but a lot of retail has been killed off. There's a lot of interesting improv improvisation, but I sense we're in a real in-between state right now where we can't, you know, history isn't nudging us one way or the other. Maybe that's sort of it, you know. When, <laughs> that's interesting. That's an interesting parallel. Well, but here, here's people, the way to put it. People here, disconnect more and more. <laughs> well, I mean, like I've disconnected from the news in part, I mean, lately, because what's happening in Afghanistan is so bad and is going to get yeah, worse. Yeah. It's going to get so much worse. And, and we all know it. And the bigger part of it is this really is the end of the post-war. The U.S. runs it all. Um, but exactly how, I don't know. And I have military friends who are right there with me on this saying, yeah, we've we're this is delusional that we can go into other countries and try and and do nation building it can't be done uh with some countries and we're not welcome we've made ourselves unwelcome and but we don't know where that goes yet i mean one could say i mean i had a, another conversation today with somebody about china where very clearly china knows exactly what it's doing economically politically every other way they're very much a top-down fully in command state they're very strategic about what they're doing in a way that the U.S. and most Western democracies couldn't couldn't possibly be. And while we were spending trillion, uh, you know, a trillion dollars or whatever it was in Afghanistan and Iraq, they were busy building out Africa. They were busy building high-speed trains all over their country. They were busy modernizing in all kinds of ways. They were busy doing a lot of really constructive things with about the same amount of money or less. And at the end of this, what have we got? We've got huge embarrassment and and a military that's very ill-suited for whatever it is is coming next in the world. And I say that with enormous respect for my friends and relatives who are in or have been in the military. But it's a different world now. And it's very clear that it's a different world. That Biden's holding the bag is is interesting news-wise, but beside the point that this thing is up. And what comes next? Well, you can't just say, well, China's going to be the biggest power in the world because they have the most people and they're going to be the biggest... Well, no, not the, they're the biggest polluter as well. So what happens in the world turns on China saying, wait a minute, the world really is blowing up now. And, but we don't know. I mean, I'm speculating about all this stuff. When history was moving in the post-war era, really in a very clear direction for most of that time, you could say, yeah, I knew what was going on. I knew what was going to happen next, but we can't right now. We're kind of at this slack tide, except the tide's not going in and out. It's kind of going in and going sideways. You know, we're just spreading that's yeah, I don't yeah, I don't even I try to not think about the whole Afghanistan thing. It's I think, um, you know, for me, I have a completely different perspective on it just as a woman, because, um, yeah, oh my God. you know, while everything is garbage and, you know, horrible and horrible, if you're a woman, it's about 100 times worse. So exactly, especially yeah. over there. So it's the, that's the kind of the part of it, the struggle that I, I zero in on. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know I if know. I weren't. A woman there who's had 20 years of maybe a little bit of hope that I could get an education or, or whatnot. I Do I want somebody to come in and try and nation build or rescue me or yank me out of it? I mean, maybe, you know, but, but you know, I don't know. I, 
I don't know enough about these things to comment all of that much other than my sympathy is is with the women there. Yeah, and, and see, and that's a pretty, this is another topic, but I I mean, the topic we're on is different than the one we started with, but I think it's an important yeah, topic. Yeah, well, I guess is, that's which is, respect what, peripheral. What is the moment we're in right now? I mean, I, I think there was inertia in a number of directions for some time. I mean, after the fall of the Soviet Union, for example, and, you know, what happened in Europe and, and, and what happened in much of the rest of the world was, a, was kind of predictable for a period of time. And, um, you know, but right now, and part of it's technical, you know, we're at this moment where, where, and I think maybe a way to connect the dots is that I think we've, we're spent in a way with the web. We're spent in what we know what we did with it now. We're beginning to know what we did with it now. And we've got is this top-down thing, top-down on the part of every single one of the big platforms and every single one of the websites where the websites are in charge of everything. And we as the users, mere users or consumers uh, or data subjects, there's not much we can do other than hope that they treat us well and that laws will protect us. But on the web, that's kind of what it is. Your, your company and other companies have responsibility. But where does it go next from that? There's not, it's kind of like that inertia has played out. I mean, it, that that body in motion has sort of reached a, an energy peak and it's kind of like you lob a ball, you know, and it's going up and up and up and now it's kind of hovering in space and it's going to drop or it's going to go somewhere else. And and I was thinking in, in terms of water movement, it's kind of like the tide. That when we had tidal motions or the tide was coming in, it was moving in one direction, but now it's kind of like laying around on the surface. Which way is it going to go? Hard to say. And I think that's true for a lot of things. And the pandemic has made that happen but it's 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 a bunch of things all at once and I have nothing hmm. conclusive to say about it other than to think out <laughs> loud and, and hope that and hope yeah. that the you know i mean we don't need we don't need opinions all the time you know i mean i think that it may be enough to say that's weird <laughs> you know and and, <laughs> and that's that happened um i mean i think you could say with confidence that yeah that women in Afghanistan have it very, very horrible right now. And it's, and it's likely to get worse. And the only hope they have is that the Taliban um, will, you know, or whatever government comes into play there will realize that in order to do business with the world, it's going to have to be more modern than they were 20 years ago when they got pushed out. Um, but they still have a seventh century fundamentalist um, um, view of things and they want law to say that and that's very 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 bad for women yep you know? and that's a bad thing to do for your country if if you if you want to if half your population is suddenly disabled that's a really awful idea you know yeah that's all it's certainly related to the, the topic that we started on which was um having respect for your end user <laughs> Well, 50 percent of the world is is female, roughly. So you know, I I have great hope for that. Don't forget I, I about mean, us. I, yeah, well, I, we won't let I, you, so it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's true. I I think, uh, um, you know, I think we're we're ready to. Have, I'm I'm ready to have women take over. Actually, and if you yeah. search for my name and it turns up Keith, let me know and I'll turn down <laughs> LinkedIn. <laughs> Just kidding, LinkedIn. I'm not yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> Catherine is is one that is too many syllables to get wrong. I think it's a. You know, I don't know. I, I've a, never I've never actually searched for for a Catherine on LinkedIn. I, 
I guess I should do that and see what <laughs> see what it suggests. Yeah. Uh. Well, Joyce's dad's name was, and, and he was a man's man. I mean, he was he was John Wayne or Robert Mitchum. He was that type, and uh, uh, his first name was Gail, G A I L, <laughs> and uh, and was from Indiana, where we are now. Um, and why a couple of farmers in Indiana would want to name their son Gail, I have no idea. And those people are gone. But it's you know. Uh, he had a boy named Sue. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, didn't Johnny life. Cash write a yeah. write a song about that? Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Um, I think I think we're about we're about at the point where we should wrap it up. Yeah. Um, I think uh, if there's one takeaway is um, approach everything you do with respect for other people in mind. It's yeah. a pretty good one. Um, well, it builds builds. You know, let's start building systems that start with not forcing one side to have, I mean, to, to have all the power. I mean, it, it's, you know, have yet another centralized thing where, you know, where we're arguing about how well the, the thing that controls us respects us, you know, that's, yeah, we got to work on that. Cool. Around it. Well, new things, let's, new different let's things. Let's do it. Do the thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you everyone for, for if you've made it this far, <laughs> thanks for listening. Um, we hope you'll check out our previous couple episodes. I think we have a few, a couple good ones in the, in the, in the catalog. And uh, I hope you'll come back and join us next time where we will dive into something else meaty and interesting. Um, so until then. Thanks.